Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. How are you this morning? Good, good. All right, I'm going to bring this quickly to you because we've done a lot of things this morning and so... Uh, I have never, I have never in the history of my preaching, which is like three years, <laughs> I've never, I've never reused a message before. And so I'm not, I don't like, you know, like I don't go back and like compare notes. I always try like to, 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 to hear what God is saying and not just give like a, a good word, but like a now word, you know, like sometimes you know God's word, but sometimes you need something for right now, you know. But, um, but I just felt this past week as I was praying just what he wanted me to share. I just felt he wanted me to share on the subject. And, and I have a Dropbox folder that like I keep every, every message that I ever preach. So in case I want to like, you know, look back at it or whatever. And, and I found it on the exact same thing. And so probably a lot of you weren't here because this was a couple years ago. Maybe some of you were here. Maybe you weren't. But hopefully you don't remember. Or hopefully you do remember. <laughs> hopefully you do. And so I want to pray with you this morning. Uh, the message is entitled, A Killer Called Comparison. Just turn to your neighbor and say, A Killer Called Comparison. You can if you want to. Just now turn to, your, I, turn to your second favorite. I'd say that joke every time. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your presence that we felt in this house today. We thank you for our pastor today. Lord, we thank you that, um, that this year, I believe, is going to be his best year yet. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've done in his life. Lord, what you're doing. And, Lord, what you will do. Thank you, God, that you're a God who stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're present in the past. You're present in the present. And, Lord, you are with us even in our future. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A killer called comparison. I want to read to you a funny little, funny little story this morning and listen to this. Years ago in Manchester, England, there lived a factory worker who had a, who had a very responsible job. The whistle that marked the beginning and end of the workday was operated by a clock and it was his job to be sure that the clock was accurate. So every day on his way to work, he stopped by the clock, by the window of a clock shop. Good, good place to find the time, right? He stopped, would stop by the window of a clock shop. In the window was a very expensive clock, and he set his watch by it. Then he set the factory whistle clock by his watch. The clock shop owner began to notice him stopping by the window every day on his way to work, and he asked him about it. He explained that he set the factory clock by that fine clock in the window so that the factory whistle would blow on time. The owner laughed. He said, all this time, I've been setting this clock by your factory whistle. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe you don't get it, but you have to think about it. <laughs> but they're like comparing what's supposed to be a standard they're comparing to each other. And all of a sudden, when something that's supposed to be consistent and supposed to be uniform, they're, they're, they're getting their information from the wrong source. And I think sometimes in our life, in a relationship with Jesus, we're getting who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to treat others, our family, and, and from the wrong source. We're getting it from the clock in the window instead of the master clock. And sometimes I'm getting my information about how I'm supposed to live my life from other people instead of God's word. 
I'm getting how I'm supposed to treat the people around me from how I see others treating each other instead of what I see in Jesus' life. And so I just want to challenge you today. When we start to compare ourselves and how we live our lives and how we function with each other and how we follow Jesus with the wrong sources, we can get off. And maybe it's not quickly. Maybe it's not all at once. But let me just say maybe a few seconds here, a few things there. We start to talk differently to people, start to get a little shorter with people than usual, start to yell at the kids when, when instead they need some firm correction and not, not screaming. We start to use our finances differently and we start to do things differently because we are not getting the correct information from the right source. I just want to say to you, when you start comparing yourself with anything but God's word and Jesus, you start, the clock just starts to get off just a little bit. It can be some time, but eventually you'll look at your life and you say, what happened? I feel like everything I've been comparing to, maybe it looks like that, but I don't know if I look like, like Jesus anymore. Let me read this to you. God doesn't want you to compare what you're doing to others. Now, this is what comparison is not, and I don't want to get us confused this morning. Comparison is not this. It's not inspiration. It's not admiration, and it's not encouragement from from another life. I think that's a wonderful thing. You can look at the lives of other people and be inspired and be encouraged and be spurred on to be better. That's great. This is what comparison is. Comparison is examining the similarities and differences of two or more things, ideas, or people. And it leads either to two things. You can know in your life, you can look at your life and examine your life and see if you're living a life of comparison by two ways. If looking at other people makes you feel better about yourself, or if it makes you feel worse about yourself. If you feel exalted when you look at the lives of others, man, I must be doing great, God. Thank God, right? We see in the Bible, thank God I'm not like that guy. (laughs) It's, It's comparison. When you look at somebody who's been a believer for years and they seemingly have it all together, let me just remind you, they don't, but, but maybe a little more than you, <laughs> and you look at, and, you're, and you're discouraged and you say, I can't do this. I can't, I can't act like that. I can't live like that. That's comparison. And it will ultimately kill who God has created you to be. You see, I want to re- remind you of this verse this morning. It's, it's 1 Peter 2, chapter 9, and it says this, but you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are his own special people. I just want to remind you today, you're special. You're peculiar. That word doesn't mean odd. It just means different. So you're different than the world. Why? Because you belong to God. And so when you start comparing, all of a sudden you get your information on who you're called to be from the wrong source and you start to to, to become different than who God has called you to be. This is who you are. You're a special people for what? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. Can you say amen today that you're part of the family of God. You once were far from God. You once didn't belong to his family, but when you received him, you belong to the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I just want to show you a story for the next few moments this morning, and I'm going to skip through some scriptures and just relate the story to you instead of, instead of read it all to you, but I just want to remind you the story of the children of Israel, the God's people in the Old Testament. Now we know that Israel, along with us, are God's people, that we belong as well. But in the Old Testament, 
The children of Abraham, the children of Israel were God's people. They belonged to God. And we see the storyline of the Israelites in the Old Testament ultimately producing the life of Jesus. And then from Jesus, we we're all redeemed by his blood. But, but there was a promise made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. And it says this. This was a promise God made to Abraham because Abraham was his friend. He said, in blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What is that blessing? We, we know this morning that that blessing isn't just the story of Abraham, but it's through the line of Abraham, Jesus came. Jesus came through the line of Abraham. The promise to Abraham was through your seed, through your line, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that blessing was Jesus and through scripture, ultimately the Holy Spirit. And so through Abraham, we have his son Isaac, and through Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob, we have Joseph, and the children of Israel go to Egypt for 400 years, they're in slavery, and they become slaves, and, and God raises up Moses as a deliverer to lead them out, he leads them through the Red Sea and into the land that, that God's going to promise them through the wilderness, and, and God supernaturally preserves his people, he gives them provision, he gives them protection, he gives them favor, he gives them his laws, he gives them a place to worship, he gives them divine direction. Isn't that cool, man? Like, I wish I had that, like, like a cloud, right, and a pillar of fire to literally show me where to go. Man, Lord, I need that, come on. I'm just kidding. If we have something better, we have the Holy Spirit. All right, God gives Israel uh, the land that he's promised them, um, but, but Israel's at this time as they go into the promised land that they need leadership. So God raises up these men and women who are the judges. I want to read you um, Judges 2.16. It says this, that in Judges 2.16, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hands of those who plundered them. I want to read you the, I'm not going to read you the names of the judges, but, but Samson was a judge, Samuel was a judge, uh, I love this, that Deborah was a judge. How about that? That God chose a woman to lead God's people for a time. How, can you say amen? Women, you're important in God's kingdom. I think it's powerful. I want to read you a few verses this morning. So this is where we are in, in, the, in the history of Israel, the, the time of the judges. So basically what a judge was, was God had appointed a prophet and a leader to be raised up to not only lead the people, but to listen to what God was saying and to speak it to God's people so they could know and then follow and obey. 1 Samuel 7 says this, the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time, and it was there 20 years. And all of the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. We know the Philistines are a common enemy of Israel. We see them all throughout Scripture being, being someone who, who are always on the attack. Uh, for the children of Israel. Verse four, so the children of Israel did what Samuel said. They put away the Baals. They put away the asterisks and served the Lord only. Those were idols. In, in, in verse five, it says this. Samuel said, gather all the people to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. 
And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. And now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. I'm getting to something here, so just stick with me for a few more verses. We need a little background. Now the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. What would you think in a time of attack? What's the right move? What's the move in a moment where some army is coming against us is for us to get ready, right? For us to, to call, sound the alarm, call the battle, the, the, the warriors, get, get in formation, get ready. But I want to show you something that the prophets of God, God told them to do this. It says, verse 9, and Samuel didn't sound a trumpet and gather the troops. It says he took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. You know, that's not what you do when somebody's about to attack you. That's not the move that you make when somebody's coming against you. You, you, you don't start to sacrifice, that's on Sunday. When the attack's coming, we, we get ready. But see, God's plans aren't like our plans. And if we compare to how everybody else lives their life and fights their battles and functions, it's, it's not always gonna work because it's not according to how God wants you to do it. So then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. You know, I believe this. I believe that when you do it God's way, his ears are open. I believe sometimes it feels like he's distant because we are so set on doing it our own way because we don't trust him. And so when we trust him, we can know that his ears are open, but when we do it our own way, I believe he still loves us and still wants to rescue us, but he has to remove his hand because it's not his way. Samuel cried to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. Verse 10, now, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. It says Israel didn't even have to fight. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as beth -car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. You ever sung the song, Come Thou Fount? You sang, here I raise my Ebenezer. I thought that was like Ebenezer Scrooge. It's like, what is he doing in Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? That's what that means in case you didn't know and you sing that song and you're like, what are we singing? It's like, that means the Lord has helped. Okay, that was for free. Verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. God defeated Israel's enemies for them. How did he do it? Not according to the battle plan of the countries they had seen. He did it his own way. And I just want to encourage you today that if things are coming against your life, if you're trying to figure out how to, how to, how to function in this world and you're getting the, your, your source from the wrong place, I want to encourage you, God will speak to you in situations. And maybe the, the antidote, the fix to the problem is not what everybody else has done before or not what seems like the logical response. It's what he has for you to do. Sometimes maybe it's prayer in the middle of a situation that needs to get, you ever had a situation that you need to have to take care of right now? It's like, I don't have time to pray for this. Maybe it's taking a moment and saying, God, I pray that you would be in the middle of this. Maybe it's taking some time. Maybe it's fasting about it. I don't know what it is, but it's not always going to look like what maybe you think it is and definitely not what the world says it should be. And so, and so check this out. Philistines were subdued. They did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. 
The cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. I just believe if you do things God's way, he'll even restore to you that things that were lost in formal, former battles in your life. Decisions that you made that you felt weren't God's way, you did it your own way and you lost, he'll restore that. He'll restore even the battles you've lost if you do it his way. And so it says, and Israel recovered its territories from the hands of the Philistines and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life and he went year from year to a circuit from Gilgal, Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. But he always went, returned to Ramah for his home was there and he judged Israel and there he built an altar to the Lord. See, this is what God wanted for Israel. This is what God desired. It was in every situation, in every battle, for him to be able to speak to his people and give them the battle plan. For him to have input into every move that they made. See, he was faithful to do it from coming out of Egypt, wasn't he? To lead them through the wilderness to the promised land. He was faithful to show them every step along the way where they're supposed to be. He wanted to have input into every battle, everything that he had promised them. And I just want to say it's the same for you. He wants, to have every, he wants to have input into every part of your life. You may be thinking today, well, this is too big for God. It's not. You may be thinking it's too small for God. It's not. You may be thinking, I've done this my own way for so long, he won't listen to me. It's, it, he, he will. He wants to have input into every area of your life. This is what God wanted for his people. He wanted to give them his word. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to speak to them. But I want to show you a story where the children of Israel begin to get restless. And they want to start doing it their way. They start looking at the people around them and they're like, we're different than everybody. We're a peculiar people, just like we read earlier. We're kind of odd. Let me read you these verses. First Samuel, first Samuel chapter eight. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And the name of the firstborn was Joel and the name of the second Abiah and they were judges in Beersheba. But his son did not walk in, the, in his ways. And they turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the Israel, elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. You see, God wanted to be the leader. He wanted to speak to a man or a woman who would relay his message. But all of a sudden, Israel begins looking around at the people around them and they say, and the Philistines have a king and they're doing okay. And the Amalekites have a king. These guys have a king. Everybody's got a king and we have a judge. This is kind of, this is different. Like we got to wait till God shows up and like we got to sacrifice before battle and like we can't even get the armor on until, right? It's like this is so weird. Why can't we just do things the way everybody else does it? They begin to compare themselves to the nations that are around them. They begin to make decisions that aren't based on the source material that God has given. They say, we want a king. We, we, and, and you know what? They, this is an excuse. They come to Samuel and they say, your sons aren't following you. God, in, in, this, in the time of the judges, God never picked a son. He picked someone who was, had a heart for God. 
And so it was an excuse. It wasn't something that was even, had even happened before. Nobody's son or daughter had become judge. God chose a judge for Israel, and so they come and say, your sons aren't following you. We want a king. It wasn't a real, it wasn't a real concern. It was an excuse. He just wanted to be like everybody else. Verse 6, look at how God responds. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, God, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. You know, that's a scary verse to me, because I think sometimes in my life, does God have to take his hands off and say, do it your way, bro. Do it your way. I wanted to lead you, I wanted to guide you, I wanted to bring you supernaturally through the situation, but instead of following me, you're just comparing yourself to the same situation in the lives of everybody else and you're trying to find your own solution that is not for you. Does God ever have to say to me, I gotta take my hands off, do it your way. This is what he does with his own children. It says, according to the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly, solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Can we be doing this in our own lives to God? Be saying to God, God, you want to lead the situation, you want to guide the situation, you want to have input, but I have been comparing it to how other family members have been doing it to how the world says I should do it, to, to, to how other inputs have told me to do it. Let me just finish these verses with you and then we're gonna pray. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, verse 11. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. Verse 12, he will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties and he will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots and he will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants and he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys and put them to work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. Look at this. That we also may be like all the nations. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You see, God wants to fight his people's battles. In fact, he's promised to do it. He's promised to be in charge. He's promised to stand with you. He's promised to give you guidance and leadership. But sometimes we are so set on doing it our way because we've seen it done the same way from other people that we forget to trust God. And God sometimes has to say, okay, I wanted to lead you. I wanted to show you. I wanted to help you. But you just won't follow me. I think if there's one thing you can write down or remember today as we, kind of, as we close up here is this is you can never replace favor with formula. Amen. You can never replace favor with formula. You can never replace the favor of God with the formula of man. Amen. 
You see, the people of Israel, they were fought for by God. Every time, supernatural victories. God would do crazy stuff, confuse the enemy. They'd get confused, and the Israelites would literally have to just walk in like, I don't know what the battles looked like, but it was pathetic. It was very one-sided when God was on their side. And all of a sudden, you see these battles where they were doing it their own way, and there's bloodshed, and it's different, and God's not intervening, and it's all because they chose a formula over the favor of God. I want to warn you today, don't choose the formula of culture, of the voices of, of unwise uh, decision makers. People are speaking your life, you look at their life and like, I don't think they're following God. I don't think I should listen to what they have to say right now. <laughs> don't choose the formula of man over the favor of God. It won't work long term. Right. Might work a time or two, but in the long term, you will be very disappointed. Let me finish with this, verse 21. Samuel heard all the words of the people. He repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to them, heed their voice and make them a king. So the fight over your life today is, will I be spirit-controlled and led? Or am I going to be flesh-controlled and led? Am I going to follow the leading of God's spirit in my life, or am I just going to do it my own way? That's the day-by-day fight in our life. Do I follow the Holy Spirit, or do I do things what I, that I think are going to be best for me? Let me just finish with a couple verses this morning. Romans 12, 2 reminds us this, and I want to leave you with this today. It says this, and Kyle, if you come and, and play for it, play as we're closing up. It says in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't copy everybody else, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You know, this is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. You don't have to copy the, the, the solutions that everybody else in your life has for the different problems that we face. You don't have to, to, to try to figure it out, to try to compare. This is what everybody else has done. This is a challenge for us as a ministry, right? It's easy to copy what other ministries are doing and just say, man, that looks like that worked. That looks like that worked. We could try that. We could try this. We just end up spending our years wasted trying things. But how about as a church, we get the mind of God and say, God, this is the vision for what you have for us. This is what we're going to sow into. This is what we're going to do. That's why we pray so much here. You're probably like, why do they pray so much? It's like, that's what God told us to do. And so, like, that's, what, that's why we do it. You know, maybe for your life, you just need a vision of what God has for you to do in a situation. Maybe there's a family member who's sick, and you're just like, man, this person prayed, and God helped them. This person went to the doctor, and God helped them. This person, you know, took medicine and helped them. None of those are bad. You just got to know which one God has for you. You just got to know which path you're supposed to take. Go to the doctor if the God, God's telling you to go to the doctor. Pray for healing if God's telling you. But you just got to have the battle plan for you. You can't get everybody else's formula. And that's why it's so important to pray and to hear from God. And so let me read this verse one more time to you. And then we'll close this morning. Romans 12.2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me just give you four points and then we'll be done this morning. How do I stop comparing? How do I stop comparing? The first, I believe, is this. Remember who you are. Psalms 139, 14 says this. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Can you say amen today that you're unique, you're called, you have a purpose that's tailored for you. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. Remember who you are. You're called. You're God's people. Number two, choose contentment over comparison. Look at this. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. There's great gain in contentedness. What is contentedness? Whatever is happening in my lane, God, I'm fine with it because I believe that you're with me and I believe that you love me. Two more things. Realize, and this is important, realize that you have different strengths and weaknesses than other people. Did any of you not grow up in church? You can raise your hand if you didn't. There's no shame. That's actually a good thing. See, 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 Maybe you didn't grow up in church and you look at your life and you're like, I'm not as far as everybody else. We didn't start at the same place as everybody else. So you don't have to compare your progress and the journey to everybody else in in the lanes next to you. You just gotta figure out where God wants you to be. He knows you. It says he holds you by the hand, he loves you. You don't have to be 12 miles down the road when you started two weeks ago on step one. Don't look at the people in the lanes next to you. Just figure out, God, how do you want me to walk forward on, on this day? What would please you in my life on this day? And it says, 2 Corinthians 10 says this, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men's, men, men's who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. Let me just say this and one more point will be done. The temptation every day for us is to look at the people around us and compare what God is doing in and through them to what God is doing in and through me. And it can be either encouraging because we lift ourselves up or discouraging because we feel like a failure. But I want to say to you, that is not the source material for what God is doing in your life. The people in the lanes next to you are not the source material for how God wants to use you right now. The source material for what he wants to do with you is him speaking to you day by day. I want you to do this. Maybe you're not going to be preaching to 10,000 people next week, but you will be. your life will be preaching to your coworkers this week. Maybe you're not going to be writing books that go circulate the globe in, in a week and a half. But you will be loving your children who will have that inner voice for the rest of their life of a father and a mother who either loves them or doesn't, or or doesn't seem to. And so you have decisions daily to make that say, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself with every single other person around me. I'm actually just going to hear from God, what's the assignment for today? What's the job for today? And I promise you, you will run much faster and for much longer if you choose to live that way. And if you're constantly looking around, try to figure out where is everybody else? What is everybody else doing? I don't want to do that. Why can't I do that? God, why are you blessing them in that way? What's going on? You won't get very far if you live to live that, if you choose to live that life. And the fourth is this, rely on God's opinion of you rather than people's opinion of you. Last verse, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. It doesn't matter 
If God tells you to fight this battle this way and everybody's around you being like, yo, that is the wrong plan. Choose to rely on God's opinion rather than man's opinion, and especially of you, because you're called, you're loved, you're chosen, you're his. And so I want to pray with you this morning. I don't know why I felt to repeat this, but maybe, probably actually, you're all going through some area of your life where you're tempted to look at somebody else's life and say, I'm either better or worse. Or you're tempted to look at the world and say, God, why are we praying about this? Like, I need to get moving on this. Why have you asked me to like, to pray about this instead of make some moves? You know, it's time to move here. And God said, no, 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 wait. Even when, you know, we sung it today. Do, we, do I believe it when I sing it? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. Even to repeat it, you never stop working. Do I believe that when I sing it? Or do it's just words that we look at a screen and sing, but when it gets to real life, it's like, ah, I don't know if I can trust God. And so I want to pray with you today. If you've been living a life where you've been busy comparing yourself, your progress to everybody else, man, I don't speak well. I don't pray well. I don't, I don't know what to do in spiritual settings. I don't know what to do in this financial struggle. I don't know what the plan is for this sickness in my family. I see everybody else doing it. I don't know what to do for me. I just want to pray and encourage you today. Get a vision from God about it. Hear from the Holy Spirit about it. If you ask him, he'll begin speaking to you. I know it. I know it. It's not going to be an audible voice from heaven maybe, but his spirit will lead you and guide you. I want to say one last thing. I love in the story of Jesus, the end, uh, it says that there's this man, Simeon, who's been made a promise. And, and he, it says that he's righteous and devout. And on that day, he was led by the spirit into the temple. I just believe, firmly believe this. And the Lord has been showing me this. My job is obedience and to stay uh, in following him. And his job is to lead me to the right place at the right time. So you don't need to figure out even where, like, where, where the solution is going to come from. All you need to hear his voice, stay obedient. And I just firmly believe his spirit's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you. You're not going to have to figure it all out. You're not going to have to knock on 15 doors before one slightly open and you figure, ah, oh, that's not open actually. And I got to, no going to be led. And so I want to pray with you this morning as we close. If this is you today, if you feel like you've just been comparing your life to people around you, comparing what God has for you to the world or to other people, it's just not been working out. I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you. I'm going to lift my hand because I believe we all struggle with this at times. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're in this room today. We thank you for your people. Thank you that these are your people, that they're a peculiar people. They're a special people called by your name. God, they're a holy nation, a people who belong to the Most High God. So, Lord, I thank you today, God, that we choose today that we'll follow you. We don't want somebody else's material to lead us, somebody else's uh, lives to show us. God, we want to hear from you how we're supposed to live. God, we want to read in your word how we're, supposed to, how we're supposed to function as a follower of Jesus. So, God, we commit today. And I just want to say to you, if you've been living that life, looking at how everybody else does it, Instead of asking God, how do we do this? I just want you to commit in your heart. Say, God, I want to try it your way. I want to do it your way. I want you to speak to me your way on this. And I promise you, this week, I believe you'll start to work out situations that you've been banging your head on the wall for maybe months, 
weeks, even years trying to figure out how do we get this to change. And I believe God can give you a plan in five minutes about how to see a change in your life. So God, I thank you today. God, we just commit a fresh, in a fresh way today. God, to just submit our lives to you, submit our decisions to you, submit our problems to you, submit our battles to you. God, the areas where we feel attacked by the enemy, God, we just give it to you. And Lord, we thank you today, God, that again, these are your people. They're called by your name. They're loved by you. And they're special. And Lord, I know every single one of them, when they ask, God, they're going to be given exactly what they need. So I just thank you today. There's no need to compare to each other, to the world. God, you've given us our own special call, our own special walk. And I pray you'll give us grace to walk with you day by day by day. We love you so much. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for your presence that we felt in this place today. In Jesus' name.